I mean, um, yeah, this is Jetpack Swords. So, but everybody knows this. There's only two people who listen, and those people know gaming and gaming Jeff. adjacent. Exactly, and they know who we are. I Break hope back. so. I won the title. Them. <laughs> yeah. Um. And so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, you all had sent a message. Obviously, you both have got things to talk about, and mm-hmm. they are, should be unsurprising to anybody who, you know, listens or pays attention to anything, again, video game related or adjacent that is not this podcast, because they are Elden Ring, not fucking Elden Ring 2, normal just Elden Ring expansion. But, Pat, you just want to talk about Elden Ring in general, because you played it. Same. But also, the expansion trailer came out. So, and it looks. Lit. All right, before we dive into that, though, because I think that's going to it's gonna be really hard for us to stop pick. talking about it, <laughs> um, which we'll get into. But yeah, let's talk about Helldivers 2 first, because that's I also very, very topical. To. And Elden Ring is like, and just, you know, that's the game really. El- Helldivers 2, I feel like, is about to get overshadowed by other stuff that's coming in. Um, and I really want to hear about it, because I've heard so little about a game that, yeah, got, you were saying got some mixed online reviews, but generally looks really good. It is. Um so I'd be happy to dive into it. So do you guys remember way, 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 way back for us, like long time ago, there was a series of games called Magicka and they were top down, like twin stick kind of shooters about a little like wizard character. And they had four player co-op also. And they were kind of tongue in cheek, goofy. They were like Xbox Live Arcade and like Steam games. I think I do remember this. They were really good. I never played it, but I've seen it several times. Yeah, exactly. And they were really good, but they were like very small. Arrowhead, the company who made them, is a very small company in terms of you know studio sizes. Um, they also made a specific spinoff that I remember very dearly because it was really funny. It was a Magicka Vietnam um, like spinoff game, and it was it was what you'd expect. It was wizards with like rifles and fire magic just running through Vietnam themed levels. It was a lot of fun. Um, they also made the original Helldivers, which in the same vein as the Magicka games was a top-down, twin-stick, um, four, up-to-four-player co-op shooter, just like the Magic games. Friendly Fire is always on. They are co-op games. So, you know, like, if you shoot wildly, you're going to hit your teammates. And, like, kind of, like, dying is, like, part of the fun, right? Like, you're meant, especially in Helldivers, the, the lore, you, you work for Super-Earth. You're a soldier of the Super-Earth military, which is uh, run through managed democracy is what it's called, capital M, capital D, and it's, you know, obviously just very much like democracy that's just fascism. Um, and it's meant to be very much like Starship Troopers where you're, you know, serving like the good fight, but you're, you know, terrible people deep down. But it's all about just killing like, you know, again, not officially Starship Trooper style like bugs um, and robots. And then there was a third faction in the first game also. Um, but yeah, you're it's very like semi-humorous game, at least the first one was and the second one too. Because it's very tongue-in-cheek about being, like, a fascist soldier and, you know, you're the galaxy's elite, but you also, like, have friendly fire on, so you die very quickly and you're obviously very expendable also. Um, And beyond just being a Starship Trooper-style game where you're fighting, like, big alien bugs and stuff, if anybody's familiar with Halo and specifically the ODSTs from the Halo franchise, they are, it is literally a top-down twin-stick shooter uh, ODST game. Not licensed, but... You literally drop down in a drop pod, land on the planet's surface, and, you know, do objectives and tack stuff. Um, Helldivers 1 was a very good game, just like the Magic games, but very small. It was a PlayStation, I want to say, exclusive for a while, and then eventually came to Steam and stuff. Maybe it might have also launched on Steam as well, I can't remember, but I remember it for sure being a PlayStation game. Um, and like I said, Arrowhead is a very small company. So the second game just came out, which is a 
third-person shooter instead of a top-down twin-stick shooter. Um, to give some ideas on what we're looking at community-wise, I believe the max concurrent players that Helldivers 1 had, at least on Steam, I don't think it was on, like, this is including console, but just on Steam, I think was 6.1 thousand people at a time. Um, the numbers that Arrowhead, the developers, were expecting, like, you know, for it to be a good release for the second Helldivers was 50k concurrent. They were, like, thinking, they were, like, optimistically thinking that that would be amazing, like, great sales figures. They are currently having to cap these servers at 450,000 people because there are more than that, and they were not expecting it. Um, so it is wildly successful right now, other than a lot of server issues, because they were unprepared for its success. And to basically outline why I think it's so successful, me personally, one, it's incredibly fun. Um, it's just a very fun game. Like, it has, like, serious, like, kind of tone, just in the fact that, like, your characters and you're, like, killing all these, like, bugs and robots and, like, the characters you play as die a lot. But then it's just, like I said, very, like, tongue-in-cheek, pseudo-fascist, pseudo-starship troopers. Um, again, the game constantly tells you that you're the galaxy's elite, but then you are just cut down in waves constantly because the game is can be very challenging. Um, it's got a really cool system that carried over from the first game where, like, you start with your basic loadout of, like, a assault rifle, a pistol, and a grenade type, and then you can call down um, different things. So, like, orbital strikes is, like, one of the things you start with. Or you can call down, like, the um, an overhead, like, spaceship that you're, like, part of. They can drop, like, weapons for you. The first game even had vehicles, and they've said they're planning on adding those back into the second game um, as we continue. Um, but, yeah, it's really fun. It's a very pretty game. It runs mostly pretty well other than the server issues, at least in my experience on console. I have uh, my friend Jordy, who we've not gotten on the show yet, but it seems like the Steam version's having a little more trouble on PC, but the, the PlayStation 5 version runs, other than the server stuff, runs pretty well. Um, good shooting mechanics. Like, it feels good to play, especially with the DualSense controller, just with the haptics are fantastic. It's got amazing animation work. Like, all the weapons are fully animated. Like, all the reloading, shooting, everything. It's just, like, very well done. You can tell it's very much a passion project, which, again, is because Arrowhead is very small, and didn't have to, like, you know, spend a ton of money on, like, meeting shareholder expectations or, like, there's I, I saw a lot of marketing for the game in the lead-up to its release, but I don't think the broader community might have. Um, again, because Airhead doesn't seem to have, like, thought that it was going to do that, like, you know, that well. But, yeah, it's just, I don't know if it just came out at a good time, like, early in the year where there wasn't a ton of other, like, major, major releases. Or, I mean, it is just, like, I think it's just that good of a game. To give you as an idea, it came out, uh, what, a week or two ago and I've got 35 hours on PlayStation and most of that has actually been playtime because a lot of people are having issues with the servers where like I said they have capped it at 450,000 like concurrent players and if you are not one of those then you end up just kind of staring at the like where it tries to log you back in continuously I've had a little bit of that but I've been pretty lucky and have been able to play for most of my time I'd say like 95% of my time has been actual playtime um, but it's really, 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 really good. It also, one thing too, in a era where like microtransactions and battle passes are still continuing to be the norm, the game does technically have microtransactions, but you can earn the quote unquote premium currency just from playing the game. It's really easy to get. Um, and so far the, like the things, like the items you get are just cosmetic for the most part. Um, and like they kind of have gameplay effects, but you can get those same gameplay effects from other armor in the game. Um, and it's, they're relatively cheap too. Like it's not expensive to get the armor at all. 
And then the battle passes are like Halo Infinite's battle passes where they are just there forever. You can choose to put points into them and you don't really miss anything. So like I as they continue to add more right now, there's two passes. There's like the one that comes with the base game that's free. And then there's the premium one, which is like ten dollars. Um, but like they're there forever as far as they've said. And as far as it my been hotel so far, there's no like timer on them. So, you know, FOMO should not be an issue um, for sure. I want to hit on I'm looking at Arrowhead games specifically as you were chatting and it's crazy how pretty this game is for a team that has it's, literally never made a 3d shooter they've only made top-down games yeah like all the other games were full 3d games but they were just top-down games like they had yeah. the full 3d environment but it was only you know from an isometric top-down perspective um and like the first helldivers for sure had a lot of physics work put into it because like as you would throw grenades or the way you call down the different they're called stratagems they're the different like support abilities so like orbital strikes missiles support weapons whatever you throw it as a beacon grenade and so that's a big thing in the first game and especially in this one now that it actually is like fully fully third person 3d um they'll bounce off the terrain they'll bounce off the other entities like your of like you know other players or other characters um like the enemies and stuff so you may think oh i'm gonna throw this this beacon for this orbital strike that'll save the team and it'll go in and it'll bounce off one of the bugs that's like got in the way and it'll bounce back towards you and you know, you, you kill the team, your team wipes, but like you guys can respawn. You have a limited number of lives, but like, it's not like the game is meant to be where you die pretty consistently. Like it's okay if you die. Um, you know, like I think every player in the lobby, you get five lives. So like if you're playing solo, you get five, If you're playing with two people, you get 10, so on from there up to four. Um, so like, you know, it can be frustrating, but like friendly fire is constantly on and like you will rip each other apart and the enemies will rip you apart, especially the bots. There's two factions right now. There's robots, which are just, (laughs) they're, they're brutal. And then there's the bugs, which are a little more manageable because they don't mostly have any like ranged abilities, but the bots have just as many things as you do and they, they will take advantage of you. What do you think sets it apart from other... Because like it is a gorgeous game, I can see mm-hmm. a lot of the appeal, but ultimately it seems like it's a co-op horde shooter, and like I, a type of game that historically is or not historically, like very recently has not like you know popped off in the sales. So like for me personally, you guys know the things I I've mentioned before. I the things I care about are immersion and like authenticity to the world, and so much of the game has um what's the is the diegetic i think is the word where like you have things that are part of the ui or the hud that are like represented within the universe of the product i think that's the word for it so like dead space has the health bar for isaac the main character in dead space on his suit and it is actually part of the suits in that setting right like having ui elements and stuff like that it doesn't have that specifically but in a very broad sense so much of the game's charm and just aesthetic is just you can tell like i said that so much work has gone into it like in when you're on the lobby screen you're actually on a ship in orbit over the planets and like you can like when you're over a planet you can look out and you'll see the planet below you and like the skybox is always changing you'll see other um other i don't think they're actually other player ships but like that's the ideas they're meant to be like they'll be over the planets like shooting down at it um when you like go to the map to pick a mission because basically you pick a planet and then on that planet there are a multitude of missions that are like procedurally generated and then depending on the difficulty level that you're doing because there are I want to say nine or ten difficulty levels 
all with, you know, rising challenges, but also more rewards for them. Um, you'll get different versions of the missions as well. So like the harder missions usually have more objectives that you have to do on it again, to make it more difficult, but you get more rewards. And then if you're doing like the very first difficulty, like there's very little on the map, it's a very small map. There's very few objectives, but it's meant to be, you know, an intro slash just very quick to do, uh, but you'll click your mission. And then when you actually like, there's no like load screen in the sense that it goes to like a black screen and you watch a bar go up from after picking the mission on this big holographic map that is part of the ship, which is the lobby like that you get to walk around in. You go over to the drop pod, your character climbs into it. And again, you're watching all of this and you pick your loadout and then you watch the drop pod drop out of the ship. The, the loading screen between that and the actual planet is the actual drop pod or drop pods if you're playing with more people dropping through the atmosphere and then it immediately cuts to a third person perspective of the drop pod hitting the ground you coming out like it does a very good job of just feeling super cinematic and I, I just like I said so much passion and like artistic talent has gone into this game like it just feels so good and it's so good to play too like I said the I don't know about on PC because I'm playing it on PS5 and that's where I would recommend if anybody's interested in this game and you have a PS5 get it on PS5 um, Steam I'm sure is fine but the experience with the DualSense controller specifically and the haptic controllers, all the weapons feel different. There's so much just like force feedback to like getting hit or shooting or climbing or like dodging a grenade or dropping through the atmosphere or, you know, when the shuttle shows up, you can feel like your controller rumble as the shuttle like tries to cover you with its like chin mounted gun on the shuttle and like explosions are happening and you're calling in all these airstrikes and stuff. It just feels so good. And it, like I said, it, for those where it runs really well, other than the server issues, and it's a, like I said, very forgiving game in the sense that, like, it's okay to die. A lot of the premium currency is just on the map. The battle passes aren't going away. And the team is also very passionate. Like, it does have a significant amount of server issues right now. But they also did not expect to be this successful. And they have been very transparent, the team has, where they have constantly been like, you know, like, we're staying up late tonight trying to get this fixed. Or, you know, the, I think, like, the last... I, I think it was last week when it came out. Literally a week from yet uh, tomorrow, it'll be a week that it's been out. And I think last weekend, they were like, we understand that it's really frustrating that not everybody can play. We're going to go to sleep right now because we've been up for, like, two days straight trying to fix this. We're going to go to bed and we'll work on it again first thing in the morning. Um, I don't know. It just... It feels like when you see a small team that is truly dedicated and cares and like they're transparent and very upfront and they just seem like they are so happy to have their product one so well received, but just happy to have it out there in the first place. I mean, it just it just feels great. It's it's just very fun to play. Um, and I think it's good, too, that it's like a little it's procedural, but it it definitely has moments where it feels procedural, but like it doesn't always feel procedural. Like it, it doesn't feel like you're playing a handcrafted level, obviously, but they do the procedural generation for the terrain and the maps to where it feels like you're just dropping onto a different part of the planet and, like, it's okay. Like, it it feels natural, basically. I don't know. I just think it's a very... It's just very well made, and it's really fun to play. Yeah, it seems that way. Again, uh, you listed everything that at least I'd heard of the negative. It's also not taking it's itself like... seriously. It's just fun. Like, even the, the base... DNA of the story of the the quote unquote plot is just funny because again it's so tongue in cheek talking about just <laughs> you're you're saving democracy but you're also literally like soldiers with skulls on your like arms and your helmets and stuff. I, th I one of the uh, the armor sets 
when you lay down prone, you can see that like the, the soles of your shoes, there's literally skulls on the soles of your shoes. <laughs> it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, are we the bad guys? <laughs> It's I feel like there's a long way to making it stand out in that genre because I feel like most co-op shooters, I never, at least the ones that I've played, I've not played a ton of them. Or I don't think I've really gotten into any of them. But like most of the time, the story instantly like is dismissed in my mind and just yeah, or like the dialogue and stuff like that. I'm like this, you know, kind of eye rolly. I would like, say uh, it honestly takes a lot of. I wouldn't say it takes from it, but like if you've played Deep Rock Galactic, that game is an amazingly fun co-op game. It's a lot of the same stuff, procedural levels cool like horde moments that come and go like fun gameplay and deep rock deep rock galactic also again does not take itself seriously like it is seriously internally consistent but when you look at it beyond that it's you know a very humorous fun game and i think helldivers 2 is just like that like within the universe if you were a person in that it all makes total sense and it's deadly serious but like beyond that it is so goofy and it's great it's just so fun and I was just about to go into a, I bet this is another like Unreal Engine 5 success story where a smaller studio was able to like get their hands and sink their teeth into like those amazing graphics because it's more approachable and it's new and all that. Yeah. And um, no, <laughs> it runs on Stingray, which has been support for that has been discontinued. So they kind of just knocked it out of the park. Yeah. With seemingly I mean, everything against them. It's... I would That's I would crazy. just recommend everybody play. It's also cheap. It's like $30. It's not even like a big like it's it's not you're not even dropping 70. It's a $30 game that has the value of like anything else out there. It's so good. It's so easy to convince your friends to play it because they don't have to drop, you know, 70 bucks. You just 30's not that crazy. You know, that's that's a meal or two a week that you could, you know, do without if you were just eating at home or something or, you know, you go see a movie and it's 30 bucks or whatever like like i said i've it's been out a week and i have 35 hours and i've loved every second i've been, I've mostly been playing solo because that's the issue like i said the servers have been messed up so i've only gotten to play with jacob and jordy and then jacob's brother zach we only were able to play together once and then i've played with jacob and jordy a bit more than that and then i have another friend um that i've known a super long that basically as long as i've known jacob and you guys um that i've played a little bit with but for the most part, I've been playing solo because I'm able to play like off the peak hours because you all know my work schedule. So like I get up early in the morning and I have from like 8 a.m. until about noon and nobody else is on in that time period. So I'm able to play pretty like pretty OK. And then I go to work and by the time I get back home again, it's usually OK, depending on the day, because it's usually at like 11 p.m. or so or a little bit later. So like I've been able to play a decent amount. I know Jacob said he's been um trying to play been trying to play it solo and he's been having issues. But even solo, like it's I think it's really fun. It just feels so good to play. And also, I don't know if you all know, um, I've always really liked the idea of the ODSTs from Halo. They're like one of my probably my second favorite things within that universe. And being able to play a game that is an an unlicensed ODST game is just really cool. So I really like the game a lot. That seems awesome, man. That forty dollars price point is really yeah, nice with how modern games are priced. Like it's, I mean, we're <laughs> it's great, and that's why I also bought. There's a game that comes out tomorrow called Pacific Drive, also on the PS5 and Steam, and um, thirty dollars. And it already it already has great reviews. It's a roguelike pack. You might like it. Um, it looks really cool. So I'm excited to play that when I get a chance to tomorrow. Got to be like, faster than light first. Sorry. Go ahead, Greg. I was gonna say I feel like we have to like draw 
of like the line connecting the dots between like Helldivers 2, crazy critical success, like can't keep up with, you know, load, can't scale. What, three weeks after Power World, crazy success, can't keep up with load, can't scale, everybody's playing, everyone loves it. And the price point. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, the it, price point it, just. I, to me, that is not a coincidence. No. Um, I, mean, I mean, combination of multiple factors, right? Like, yeah. games have gotten more expensive at a time where price, cost of living across the world is is higher. So people are going to go to those cheaper options. And it, really importantly, like, when a trend starts, because I think, like, you can see the wave with a lot of, like, all the major releases, but, like, people are going to be way quicker to jump on the wave that is a lower cost than the ones that are higher. Is it, it, it makes sense. Like, like, you know, it's the standard thing of, like, the bean counters have figured out they make more money if they do X or Y, right? And, like, I wonder if after the success of these two games, like, some of those bean counters are going to be going back and they're going to be like, but actually, wait a second. Like, would we make more money if we just sold it at $40? The thing is, though, we all three of us know that what's going to happen is they're going to look at it and they're going to pull the wrong idea of success from it. Instead of saying it might be the price, it might be the deep amount of passion and attention to detail that went into it, they're going to say, oh, no, it's because people want more horde shooters or people want a, a sci-fi Starship Trooper games and then we're just going to get a bunch of those and it's going to be like, all right, cool, I guess, but like that's not what I wanted. I don't think that'll happen with Helldivers just because Helldivers, again, like has come out. I'm trying to think of the examples I was thinking of. Oh, my God, what is that game... The PvPVE that oh, it just came. It was on Game Pass and everything. Give me more information and I'll... Oh, my God, right? <laughs> and it's uh, it's like 4v4 and it was mostly PvE. And then at the end, it becomes PvP and you race to get to that Exoprimal? point. Exoprimal? Exoprimal, thank you. Oh, Exoprimal uh, is not I... good, though. I'm going to say that I've played it. It's not that good. <laughs> well, I think it's more like that just lends context. to so like, I think Power World, people are going to do exactly that. Like, people are going to look at the concept of Power World and be like, oh, just take, like... Unreal Engine based assets and just like spin up a Pokemon I game out of it. Say, your best. To give you a, a my personal opinion, Power World, as fun as it is, feels like a mod of another game. Oh yeah, Helldivers feels like a game. Like it is a complete. Oh, you just look at them. They like feel that way, right? I know, <laughs> and like you can have a lot of fun with like obviously mods and stuff, but I don't think Power World will. I think Helldivers could keep itself afloat long term, even if the numbers, which they will, of course, the numbers will drop. It'll all even out. It'll be fine. But, like, I think it'll be able to keep a consistent, steady community just because, again, the attention to detail, the developers have been very transparent and they seem very down to earth about their product. And, you know, hopefully that continues. And again, like, they had a very successful first game. It was just a very small success. But within that space, it was very successful and they had updates for it. They released content for it over time. I know they'll do the same with this game. Um, I think they're planning on doing like a bunch of battle passes, which again, aren't going to expire or run out. So you can just, you know, plink away at them as you do. And like, it's not a big deal. Um, the currency income of like the various currencies in the game, like it's not, it's not that hard to do. I've been doing it solo on the lower difficulties, which have the lowest payout and I've been fine. So like, I know if you play higher difficulties and you're any bit competent or have competent people, like you can, you can definitely get your items and stuff way quicker. Um, and that's one thing too, I mentioned when I talked to you guys when it first dropped, um, a lot of the online discourse around the game, at least initially talked about how the battle passes were pay to win because they have different weapons and armor and stuff in them. 
but the vast majority of that stuff is like side grade stuff like you unlock a shotgun which technically the best weapon in the game right now is a shotgun but that does not mean that it is the only weapon you should use like you can absolutely pve though right yeah exactly so it does uh, so so they're just saying there's a progression system in the game that's what they said they said this game like every other game that's ever come out exactly in video game history has a progression system in it but a lot of Buck people shot. the the loud minority of people who were trying to shit on the game when it dropped were saying that it was still quote-unquote pay to win like you would buy into the premium battle pass and you would automatically get all the good stuff and then you would just be at the top of the game but that's not even true because again it is all side grade stuff like you start with a, an assault rifle a pistol and a grenade uh which is like a frag grenade and those weapons you can use just as effectively later on as you can use them early on like, the only thing they don't do is penetrate armor, and 98, like, 99% of the weapons in the game do not penetrate armor, which is why you have the orbital strikes and the heavier support weapons you can call in and all that stuff. Like, those are meant to do that for you. Everything else is meant to just be, like, your regular tools. So, like, I've been playing it with an SMG you get pretty early on in the free battle pass, and that SMG is, I think, the second best weapon overall in the game, but, like, I use, I, I regularly swap weapons and use whatever I want and it's been fine. Like, it's not been an issue. The game is just as fun. Like, I have, a, I enjoy, you know, especially if I'm playing with, like, Jacob and Jordy, like, we all bring something different to the table. Like, Jacob's been using, like, the sentry guns a lot, and I like using the, like, um, space fighter, like, airstrikes a lot. And I think Jordy was using, like, orbital stuff a lot. And then, like, we all have a different support weapon we bring. So I've been bringing, like, a big auto cannon. Jordy was bringing a machine gun, and Jacob was bringing... A grenade launcher i think and like we were all effective individually and then obviously all together we were more effective like it's I, I don't see any issues with the game beyond that they were unprepared for their success and i don't blame them because again the first game's highest single time player count was 6.1 thousand and i know i said 450 thousand is like what they've capped it at it was i think it was like 460 or something thousand or maybe it was like 402 i don't remember it was a very high number of concurrent to the point where it beat GTA 5's concurrent at its highest, I think. Um, Counter-Strike 2, Destiny 2, all of these Steam metrics that it has already beaten, and it's this relatively small game. Yeah, and I think what you described as far as, like, the complaint culture comes with becoming a really big and popular game. For sure. It's not it's literally all, just like, people being salty that they're like, oh, it's not, this game can't be successful. Yeah, it's just, it's just like, I think it's online discourse just from how people like to vote on stuff people i think are way less likely to like upvote or like highlight a comment that they already agree with or like yep yeah, agree with that move sure. on whereas like if they see something to complain about like oh yes. i don't like that thing either like i want this to get attention <laughs> yeah negative reactions always generate more attention more engagement always like no matter what even in real life and then obviously definitely in digital spaces it's just annoying when people say things like that and they don't know what they're talking about and i know that's like obviously that's the point it's just frustrating um i think it's which, equally frustrating when like yeah. you're probably finding that where you're going to a place where you're looking for other positive discourse or just like tips or other things you haven't noticed about a game like especially oh, yeah. subreddits of games like this i all yeah. the things you see at the top are complaints and it's like ah this is yeah come on. i don't use I like, Reddit, like the apps anymore but i've been checking on the helldiver subreddit because like i said the devs, the devs exactly. are like on the subreddit they've been very upfront and like transparent about stuff so, like, I've been going on to see, like, what updates are next because, you know, it's been a week, but obviously they've had a lot of issues with the launch um, on their end. And so, like, I've been trying to go to the subreddit just to, like, see stuff. And also because, like, 
if I'm at work, maybe I want to like engage with the content, even if I can't be at home playing it. You know, it's just that's where my brain has been at lately. And it's it's gotten better. Most of the complaints now are just about the servers, but a lot more of the community is like aware that Arrowhead is not a large studio and they're trying their best. But those first couple days, a lot of people on the subreddit were like, this game is bullshit. You can pay to win, even though it's a PvE game and it doesn't matter. Even if you could do that, like it was a lot of just wrong information and it was just annoying. But I think things are turned around definitely now as more and more people have played the game. So, oh yeah, a month from now, the discourse on the game will be very, very different. Um, yeah. I do want to yeah. cap us there because so. we have it the the halfway mark. And yeah, I would love to talk about Elden Ring. You know, I <laughs> yeah, and we. Try to think of how to approach this because so much happened since we last chatted and I was waiting, Greg, for you to come back to do the why did I decide for anyone who's happened to listen to our other episodes when Elden Ring or the Dark Souls games have come up, I am very quick to be like, I will never play these games. They are too challenging. If I did try, like when we had talked about trying Elden Ring, I'm like, I'm probably going to play it for an hour. Then I'm instantly going to put it down because it's going to be too hard. And um, oh, I, Elden Ring is the most accessible other than Armored Core now. I told you that. I told you. I've been telling you that. Wow. What Armored Core came now? Put in the same discussion as Elden Ring, unfortunately. As much as I adore both games, like it, Elden Ring is such a international phenomenon. Oh, for sure. I just think Armored Core is the now now that it's out is the single most accessible FromSoft game. But oh, Elden Ring was the one before that. It's close, and I did. All right, let's talk about the DLC first, because then I, I want to talk about that adventure, because I do think the DLC is worth time. Got me. It looks singular. That's probably about it. It's, like, it's huh? well, it's paired with, I think the one thing I'm bringing to the table that people might not have seen is there was a, it's weird, it hasn't been like promoted as much. Uh, Miyazaki, the guy who makes the game director for all their games, yeah. um, did an interview that came yeah. out at the same time as mm-hmm. the trailer. And of course, the trailer has gotten a lot of attention. Um, but I don't think the trailer is going to tell you anything that we don't have to go into over detail about like, hey, there's a new map, there's new enemies, um, there's new weapons and abilities and stuff like that, which if you the play the game are very, very exciting. What's up? I said like the big bad, the main evil guy in the DLC is actually like an entirely yeah. new character that wasn't even referenced. Like I was surprised that it's an entirely new character. He wasn't even somebody referenced in the base game. I was surprised. That is that. weird. Um, he looks boring. He looks awesome. Who's now learned a little bit about the other games was like, because um, Ludwig from the Bloodborne games, is that yeah. the old Hunters DLC? Yes. The one that everybody adores. So. Okay. Was Ludwig referenced in the original Bloodborne or was he brand I am not the person to ask because I didn't play Bloodborne until after Old Hunters came out. Like I didn't get really into Bloodborne, honestly, where I was like getting farther into the game and like being decent at it until literally last year. Um, last October is the farthest I've ever gotten into that game. Okay. I just made up packages like... Um, I can people... ask Jacob and we could discuss it another time, but I'd have to ask him. Because that yeah, Elden Ring and like all these games have very, are le- okay. Sorry, I am new to the fact that I didn't even realize the lore was a huge part of the Dark Souls games, which shows yes. where I'm coming from. Um, and it is huge. Yes. And, uh, but ostensibly the DLC has not exactly always been this way, but pretty close to like people are like, oh my god, I hope in the DLC they explore this part of the story that was untold or this part of the story that's untold. And it seems like typically they don't do a lot of that. No, They're what they usually to to- do is they. Almost always, every single FromSoft DLC is either time travel or alternate world, so they can specifically yeah. expand on the lore, but not expand on what already existed. 
it is always time travel or another world every single time. And we are indeed doing that again. <laughs> yes, yes, we are. We are doing alternate world this time around. It is a um, layer, a, a separate layer that exists in the exact same place as the lands between, but is not the lands between, is what they said. It's the lands of shadow. <laughs> yeah, and I think... Um, Which sounds awesome, but... <laughs> it does, and it looks really good. Um, again, mm-hmm. you look at the trailer, the visuals are beautiful. Oh my god, um, The new gameplay elements, if you play the game, like everything is going to be pretty exciting, except for yeah. the new Fire Giant um, and new Melania. <laughs> Probably hey, just... hey well, Fire Giant, I never had trouble with in the, fir- in, the, in the base game, so I'm excited for the new Bramble Thorns Fire Giant. Yeah, the new <laughs> and classic instantly that the uh, image of that boss comes out and someone's like, of course, it's Berserk again. <laughs> and they pull up a <laughs> of it one is. of the He loves Berserk. Berserk. And he it's just like... He loves Berserk. But people, I think, also like misapply because Berserk is really influential in like all dark fantasy. Um, And also, not just influential, it also draws on original dark fantasy tropes that people misattribute to Berserk. Uh, I think sure. it happens with Dark Souls and Elden Ring too when I've seen like, Oh, look at all these Berserk references. I'm like, that's just something you see everywhere. Well, but anyway. We'll say Elden Ring is straight up a Berserk reference. All, almost so much of it is pulled many times. from Berserk. More so than the other games. And you see um, speculation that that's going to happen with one of, like, one of the main characters. As with all ber- people who like to reference Berserk, usually the first thing you do is rip Griffith's character. Mm-hmm. And ostensibly, people are seeing that like path of Griffith's character for... Um, the I'll say main background voice that's going to talk in our head the most of this DLC, which is our Mikola, uh, uh, yeah, one of the M names. <laughs> yeah, I love that really fun naming convention they did. Uh, all the characters that are blood, most of the main important story characters that are blood related have the same starting letter of their names. Um, um if really you, fun. I don't know if this is intentional, but they are all G R's and M's, and he George yeah. R. R. Martin had a hand in the. <laughs> The very deep back lore of the game. He wrote the the way back, uh, not the actual lore of the game, but the very, 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 very early framework for where it would eventually go. So, yeah, which they and, did. Um, and so I, the point of that they, I think it makes the names very, very fun and it like draws those connections and especially yeah. in a more subtle way. The story is told. It like allow, allows you to draw connections between characters. Mm-hmm. At the same time, as it makes saying their names impossible, <laughs> especially yeah, the G yeah. ones where they all start with God. It yeah, is. Of a mix of Godfrey and Godfrey. You don't like Godfrey, the uh, the the Everjail specific version <laughs> yeah. that has the worst fucking name. It is literally just identical. I thought there would be something. Yeah, he's identical. I was like, his he's face was identical, and I noticed that. He like, has no that's... difference. He's just in an Everjail, so you can't use anything special to fight him. Yeah, he's just that little bit harder. Yep. Um, <laughs> but shoot, I you mentioned a detail that he expanded on in the interview. Oh, which one was it? Sorry. Oh my god. Oh, I'm blanking. Oh, GR uh GR Martin George R. R. Martin's involved. Yeah. Um, he did nothing. He did nothing new. So it just tells us this is again, it kind of takes like this probably much larger world building that he did that we will not fully ever see. Yeah. And they're just taking one part of that and spinning it off into the DLC. So sure. ostensibly yeah. that means that Mesmer is not new. He's just not part of something that we've seen yet. Not yeah. I, I would agree with that. I just I haven't done every single thing in the base game, obviously. I've done a lot of it, but there's still so much more that I've not done. Um, but I don't remember his name ever being said. And as someone who, That's regardless it. of the game, adores flavor text, like, for example, Destiny 1 and 2, I love the flavor text on weapons, and I love all the FromSoft games for the exact same reason. I just love seeing 
a little piece of lore just nestled up against an item and that's all you get for it. And I've tried doing it in my own world building and it's really hard to do sometimes. Um, but oh, I don't I think, think it's I ever really, saw Mesmer's really hard to... name oh. referenced. But he looks I don't remember. Rad. I do the same thing. And I, I'm not only am I reading the lore, I'm playing the game while I'm listening to lore videos and I'm reading like everything. I'm like talking through every dialogue. Yeah. Just trying to like glean out. Also because I figured out very quickly into listening to online lore videos. They are great. Highly recommend them for anybody who wants yes. to like like play them while you play a certain area. It's really great way to like hear about it, learn about it. Um who um I, who whose videos have you been watching or listening oh, to? Vati, the guy. Okay, so Vati's great. There's more beyond him that I would recommend if you want to get even deeper is to couple, like I've listened to more. He's the things. one whose name I remember. Because the rest He's probably the most like He's probably the most like user friendly because he his videos are what probably like most popular in terms of like watchability. Voice. Yeah, for sure. Um, if you want not to like, yeah. So she's great because hers like you know there's no talking. You just like real quick short form content. Hers are great. If you want somebody who there's two other creators, one of whom I know for sure, kind of like started the FromSoft like lore community was like one of the original originals. Um, so much so that her like YouTube name is one of the original like characters from um I think I want to say Dark Souls. Um Quelag, she she's really cool um and has some really good videos and she streams a lot. Her stuff is like 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 it ties in like real world historical influences to like try to derive where things are going, which is really interesting. And then there's another creator who I haven't watched as much, um, but he's the tarnished archaeologist and Based on the name, obviously, about the Tarnished, he does the same thing as Quelag, where he, like, dives into real-world historical elements and ties them into in-game elements to, like, again, try to figure out where things are going. Um, they're very, 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 like, in the weeds, but very interesting also. Oh, yeah. And especially, I think, historical influence is a really interesting angle. Because you definitely see, I mean, it's pretty clear, especially with some of the armor and weapon sets and uh, the story and setting a little bit. Um Yeah. Where like really draws on <laughs> the lore videos are a really interesting breakdown of Miyazaki's interests because it's pretty yeah. transparent from his interviews, like the stuff he likes and how it makes its way into the game. And the lore video makers are very quick to like find those interviews and draw those connections. Of course, yeah. Um, but anyway, the else was the big. Uh, there are two things I want to talk about from his interview. A lot of it's just detail, um, as to how it's going to go, and you know, we don't have to. People will, but we. it's not a good use of time to speculate on, like, what exactly is going to be in the game gameplay-wise, right? Like, we'll figure yeah. that out as we play it. Um, mm -hmm. And they might change it from when they tell us now to when it comes out. In um, June. But the two big things that he noted that I think are just going to be... Uh, there are three things. I think will be lovely is, um, A, the whole thing is supposed to be as difficult as the Melania boss fight in terms of how... Oh, their deal, that was the other thing I was going to say, too. The FromSoft DLCs are always significantly harder than the base game. <laughs> yeah, so this is going to be awesome. <laughs> I, I, I We'll talk about it with the, the rest of Elden Ring, but like I don't think Elden Ring is as hard as people make it out to be. Um, Melania, if you have all but a certain few types of weapons, is as hard as people describe it to be. It is yes. brutally difficult in its timing. Yes. Um, and that being the standard, and especially when you just look at the new boss, it's like, that's Melania with more range and more yeah. tools. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. I'm just going to hate you. I can't wait uh, till they add a two millennia fight. Cause you know, it's something like that is coming. 
they're gonna do a dual boss fight that is something just as hard as like they 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 absolutely will. Like we already had sure. the gargoyle duo, we had the godskin duo. Like we're gonna get something <laughs> nightmarish. It was. Like, when we last talked, I hadn't even hit all the different duo bosses yet, and I just kept we like because we were just railing so on. But he, they are. Uh, I got a really great attempt on them, and I just hit them again in my second playthrough, and I was like, I, how did I beat them the first? I know. Time? I haven't even gone back and like, I'm 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 gonna have to do another playthrough before like leading up to the DLC because, um, the DLC you have to progress to a certain point in the game for you to be able to play it. That was the other thing I want to talk about. Yeah, go ahead. The point they... Well, it's just that, because I looked this up for other DLC, because I didn't see like almost any online discourse. And I assume part of this is they're going to make a change to make it easier to access the DLC other than the way it's presented. Um, yeah. Because where it is presented in the trailer is you will see it as a dangly, withered, uh, withered hand coming out of a, a what looks like a bloody egg. A cocoon, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, this is something that is directly tied to one of the hardest bosses in the game who's in it's also zone. an optional boss <laughs> yeah his whole zone like it is yeah unless you weren't looking <laughs> like i hunted him down like i wanted to go do all the bosses in my first playthrough and so i had to go find him there are two ways to get to that zone and like as much as people are like oh at least uh the one comment i saw was instantly dismissed as like oh people can get there like you just go through this one quest line like it's not intuitive yeah, the way you the do multiplayer, it quest line. it's the multiplayer invader quest line so if you're playing yeah. only solo like purposely not trying to do the online stuff you can't take that route <laughs> and like not only do you have to do the multiplayer invader but he the end of it is like hey take this and go dip it in maiden's blood which is something you can do in three places in the entire game yeah and you yeah and of course there's no direction on where this no, is no 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 so this like a very easy. Scott, this isn't a Bethesda game, Packy. Okay, you don't get your quest markers. Please. <laughs> that was the hardest part. I will say, like, I wanted to figure out the quest. I tried really, really hard with Ronnie, and I got way farther than I think. Oh I no! I, I followed a guide. I followed Jacob and Jordy and a guide for the Ronnie quest line. I got. That's the so. only ending I've done, and it's a very, it's a very complicated ending. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just it's not I, the most complicated. I got to, I got to the point where so. I. I organically, on my own, I found, I got to the point where you find the doll. Like, there's yeah. a little, it's key to her quest line, you find this little yeah. doll of her. Um, you, By the way, it's just sitting there. Like, there's yeah. no reason you have to <laughs> encounter it. <laughs> no. <laughs> just like, oh my god, another, there's another one with like upgrading weapons, and I was like, how didn't I find the upgrade material? I feel like I skipped this one. It's like, oh, there's a really easy one if you just went around the stairway. <laughs> you didn't go up the stairs, you went to the back area where you wouldn't think to go, because it's just a friggin' wall. And then if you walk along that wall for like a really long time, then at the end of it, there's an up a necessary upgrade material. Um, sorry, underlaid. Beautiful game. Um, it yeah. is the, uh, but I found the doll, and what you have to do with the doll is you have to rest at a specific rest point, and then talk to it three times when it doesn't respond to you until it eventually responds. It's like I don't feel bad for missing that. No, nope. I, like I feel like I did everything I truly could to reasonably figure out that this one. So I think that one. I don't remember all the steps for the the frenzied flame ending, but I think those. I th honest, no, honestly, I'm gonna say Flames. all the endings are complicated except for the default ending, and that I have yeah. not done the default one. I was like, I was gonna say, I think the frenzied flame one is probably the most complicated, but then I remembered all the other, like the other two, and I was like, oh no, they're they're all complicated. I think frenzied flame. At least at one point, you will necessarily run into the NPC who tells you where it is. And like they don't tell you exactly getting down into the sewers and then navigating the sewers underneath yeah, lane. Getting into the sewers is hard. What are 
getting all the way to the bottom isn't gr- I've still have not made it. Okay, I say that yeah, as someone who is I've not been in the stores and I've never did. found the frenzy flame door. Like, yeah. what, what are you talking about? And it's behind a boss, and it's not also, a. So you have to do the. It's just a. Uh, oh, we're, t- we're talking too much about. The, but you have to do the sh- like the grapes and stuff to get like if you want to do the actual oh, proper way to do it. Yeah. So you have to, because that's one thing too, Greg. I don't know if you know this either, but. The game is open world, obviously. It's the most open FromSoft game ever in the sense that, like, you can... That's one thing that also makes it very easy is that, like, you're not going to get stuck at a boss and then bash your head against it because you can leave and go do something else, power up and come back. That's why I liked it so much. Because, like, in Dark Souls, when you get yeah. to a boss, you're basically stuck at that boss until you do it, um, yeah. which is great for the... From the well, developer's point of view of, like, teaching the player the game, right? Ideally, because you'll eventually on paper, learn it. But I'm really bad at stuff like that. Like, I'm either, I'm getting it or I'm not. And Eldering, I, we, Packy and I talked, I'm like, I think it was the last episode, like, I did Millennia, I did Radon pre-nerf, like, I did most of the bosses. I did pretty good. And a lot of that was because I was able to leave and go do other things and, like, figure it out. Um, But, that game, the way it logs character and quest interactions, because there's no quest markers or anything, is if you travel to certain places, it will lock you out of quests because you there is an ideal way to progress through the game where you will not lock yourself out of any quest and you literally have to have the guide up. Otherwise, you will mess it up and you will lock yourself out of quests or items or spells. It is extremely easy to break the quest chains in that game and not break them in a sense that like your game will be unplayable. You'll still be able to beat the game and it'll be fine. But if you want to get any ending other than just the default ending you need to basically follow a guy like you are not going to figure out stuff on your own for the most part like it's, it's a couple like light crazy. variants but the two cool ones which is ronnie and frenzied flame yeah you yeah. can't get there without extra no i mean even the um the the dung eater one like there's no way you're figuring oh, out the dung eater zone actually or the other one for um what's her name the uh the bedside like consort uh Fear, fear, right? Yep, um, you got a chance. I don't know if you do. <laughs> well, because it's very minimal. Deep I, I got. This is a required place to go. I, I no, didn't it, even explore. Yeah, you have to get death. there. I went there once and didn't explore it because I was like, "Oh, I'll come back to this," and then I forgot about it and beat the game. As the actually the only Vias is the only one where it got close. Um, is only because you can skip her entire quest line and just jump to the part to her yeah. the f- encounter with her. Yeah. And then you talk to her and she tells you what she needs. Um, yeah. And then if you like, and and it was also, sorry, to get to that point, you have to progress the quest line that we were talking about that's impossible to figure out on your own. So maybe I'm <laughs> full of shit. <laughs> no, I don't even like, done that. From what I remember and from, I have the two very, very nice future press volumes about the game that are very in-depth hardcover strategy guides. From what I remember when I glossed through those, like when I first got them a couple months ago, <laughs> like none of it's easy none of it is stuff you're going to figure out on your no, own I totally forgot because I the only reason it was quote unquote easy for me is I'd already done all that and then I get to her and I'm and she's like do you can you go get this thing for me I'm like oh I have that thing <laughs> I feel like it's sitting in my inventory right now you can have it. for example like we were talking about uh, I, I derailed you pretty hard but like the area that the DLC is going to like initiate from like you were saying is yes. a hidden it's a hidden area that only has two paths to get to it. As a similar example, Millennia, the, you know, probably the most famous boss from that game by far because of how difficult she is, um, is a hidden boss inside a hidden area that requires you to progress through another hidden area to get there. She is two hidden areas deep for you to get to her. 
<laughs> I think all it, that one, I I guess I think you can get there only because yeah, she's so prevalent in the story and the getting the medallion that kind of starts you down the road. Like I think that is. But that, the, the game also doesn't hold your hand about the medallions either. <laughs> I think old well, people mentioned it a fair bit. Um, I know, but there's they don't tell you where they are. There's, the, in a there's good way. the hidden one that you have to use as like a secret action on the one, and the game never tells oh, you that. I actually I did have to Google that because <laughs> I thought I had done I thought I had bugged my game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just didn't stand in the right place to interact with it to use the right medallion. Yeah, and also I'm, from what I remember from when I did it, the option doesn't pop up automatically. One one action pops up, but if you want to be able to see the other one, you have to I think hit like left or right on the D pad. Yeah. And that's something you never do at any other point when you, like, interact with something in that game. And it, again, never tells you that that's a thing you can do. You just have to either look it up or figure it out. Um, yeah, Elden Ring's great, guys. It's, it's great. It's a wonderful masterpiece. I think, I mean, the whole thing is, like, we're talking about and what, you know, Elden Ring brings out of every player is the first gameplay you're going to hear story or appeal from someone who's played that game is when the game deeply frustrated them. But also the people who are willing to talk about the game are often the ones who finished it and, like, enjoyed it profusely and wanted oh, I, to that area. Like I said when we talked, I think it was last episode, Becky, I have never played another game where I immediately was like, I'm going to get a, like, a, going to get a tattoo of something from this game. Like, I love The Last of Us, but Elden Ring was first on that list over anything else I've ever played in my life where I was like, this is important to me as a person. Like, I adore this property and this world and this setting. It's also such a great one because it has so many great symbols and insignias to pick I, from. It's, I think just make all beautiful. Besides the obvious, like Elden it's Ring, it's all great. I mean, even the Elden Ring, just the the Elden Ring, the multi ring symbol is like beautiful. Like it, oh, yeah. even that alone makes a great tattoo. Got the Ur tree too. Yeah, I think. Um, oh, did you so to bring it back to the? Sorry, to finish out what we were talking about with the DLC. Um. They will have to make some change to make it accessible to all players because right now the DLC, like you, it is a optional complete end game area. Like you cannot yes. get there unless you're at the very end of the game. Like you, because you is have a to meet the boss. Area and a difficult boss. Like the the guy who ostensibly was touching his hand to get through. Yeah, it's a really tough boss that also has a built in what I must be a um. Is essentially, it's a health check is the best way I can describe <laughs> it. It's a health it. check. He doesn't either a dodge or, or a flask check. If you've got your flask yeah. upgraded enough, you can do it. That's how I, I was convinced it before I, like, I just brute forced it, convinced I was doing something wrong. I was like, all right, I've not figured out this mechanic the way that you no, still are doing it, this. It is literally, it is you what can't. it is. <laughs> it's the only game I've seen like that. It's awesome. You need to tank this with healing items. Like, you just it's, have to. The fight is so good. And he interrupts you. That's the like he does. He just hurts you a bunch, but the hurt interrupts you from healing. Yeah, oh. but it's such a good fight. The music and the visuals and really cool. And I mean, every fight in the game, other cool. than dual gargoyle and the final fight, is incredible. I did you do my uh, if I can encapsulate Elden Ring. I was thinking about it into like one experience, into one boss. At least my most memorable one. I'm almost embarrassed because it's not what I consider mechanically the most difficult bosses it was a uh, dragon lord placidicus that's actually one of the ones i i spent very little time in fair missoula that was the part Good of the game that i was most frustrated in because it felt the most maze like and all the enemies are tough um yes. yeah i never found i've seen the fight and it looks awesome and incredible but i did that's one of the few that i did not of like the major bosses that probably like one of two major bosses maybe three that i did not do yeah i will say um 
for anyone who's not done it and won't play an Elden Ring game, just because it's cool, look up oh, it's Elden awesome. Ring Dragon Lord. You won't be able to spell his name because I can't. And I've seen it a hundred times. Placidusax. Placidusax. Always ends with sax. Um, oh, guys, come on, slow down. Yeah, Placid? so look up Greg. Look up this. Sex. Look up his. Uh, it's it's usually called like the lightning nuke attack or like lightning spear. It's King Ghidorah oh. from the Godzilla canon. Yeah, he's really awesome. He's just he's such a cinematic fight. Um, he walking got a lot of world really building cool. behind it too. Yeah, he has such it's an so interesting and cool place in the lore, and he is the most missable boss in the game. Not yeah, the for most, sure. But like one of. Yeah, um, I mean, I didn't do him. Yeah, he, well, it's really, again, he's one you will not run into on the natural path because he, <laughs> so my encapsulation of the Elden Ring experience was I, so I got to this point, Fair Missoula, the area we're talking about, is very close to the end of the game. And by this point, I've decided I'm doing all of the, what are called the Remembrance bosses, which essentially yeah. are 15 bosses that give you a special weapon when you beat them. Which I think um, I and are, did. Which are why, I don't know if I did them all. Um, yeah, if you have it in your Steam Achievos, it's... It's one uh, each. I have the game on Steam, but I've not played it on Steam yet. Let's see. They... <laughs> Do you own multiple I told... copies of this game too? I told you that I own three copies of this game. I'm, I'm going. I'll give. I don't care. I don't care. Oh, I'll give from saw. I love so Elden Ring. Such a good game. Um, and it is worth replay. I regret doing New Game Plus. I oh, wish I just. Okay, listen. Just to explain real quick for anybody that thinks I'm stupid. I bought it on the Xbox initially. Okay, for me. And then I got it on the PlayStation to play with Jacob, and then we never did. And then I got it on Steam so we could play the modded version because I want to do the co-op randomizer mod, and then we still haven't done that either, so. That's cool. Oh, random? You know what? Fuck it. We're at the 56-minute mark. Everybody stop listening. Just for us, did you get that idea from the Germa stream? Because we were talking yeah. about Germa with this it, game, I and that's you, the one so I watched. Funny. It's really funny. I literally told you, I, I literally said that last episode back. I said, I said, you need to watch the Germa stream because if you are familiar with you the game, Germa, it makes you didn't it mean... Didn't recall the it's random. even funnier because they literally fight millennia in that stream in the first place that you fight one of the god skin in um yeah. in uh, Mount Gelmir. Yeah, in Mount Gelmir. He's walking up and he's like, I think it's a Thanks. nobody boss. I think it's yeah. really easy. And then he gets it's there and, and he it starts and Millennia turns around. He's like, the run's dead. The run's yeah, dead. He's just like running it's at the so door. funny. He <laughs> just gets fucking murked. No, and then he also that stream is why I want to do the co-op randomizer with Jacob specifically, because I know he and I would enjoy it so much. Be brutally difficult. I can't imagine a world where you can't look up and just find the upgrade materials. <laughs> I, I that, think that's funny. I think, it, it, to me, it makes it more funny. It, it, it's like a victory lap. It's just stupid fun to be like, we got to use whatever we got. We got to fight whatever we, we I think see. that part will be really fun. I really like that with the weapons, because I wish I had been forced off into a completely different weapon type. And Somehow. also, the, the bosses level to, like, whatever area that you, you see them in. So, like, yeah, it's Millennia, but she's not, like, the same... She has the same moveset as the real Millennia, but she's not as tough as she would be because she's at Mount Gelmir oh, yeah. instead. It's just funny. They It's a really, really funny video. Um, highly recommend One, people. One, two, three, four, five... Is this the number of Elden Ring copies you own? Six... Shut up. Seven, eight. <laughs> no, that's the number of Skyrim bot comments. Nine. Yes, shut Skyrim up. The one he actually has. Ten, eleven, twelve. I have thirteen of the remembrances of the bosses. Nice. Uh, you're probably, I'm guessing you're missing one or two of the dragons. Oh. I'm missing literally the Lich Dragon, Fortisax, and I'm missing Placidus uh, X. Oh, yeah. Uh, Placidus X is worth, you know, he's not. Um, He would be worth finding if he wasn't in Faramazula, which is. Easily my least favorite of all the zones. Fucking worst. 
it actually really it it never it, would have turned my opinion of the whole game. Visually, but it really spoiled the, the end coolest, of it. But it's the worst. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool how it brings you to the dragons, and I like the dragons place in the lore again. It's like really representative of like a lore that is very well thought out. It's not all just El the Elden Ring and the Erd Tree. Like there is an explanation and like real substance to the world oh, that exists to be so that. much. Just Placidus acts like as literally the loves... first Elden world. Lord, quote unquote. World building. Elden Ring is very special to me, again, as I've already said. She's so incredibly good at it. Um, it's crazy, again, as someone who didn't come in. I came in only caring about the lore. It's a really unique place to come at the game that I think more and more people will be coming to it from. Where people just want to see what George R. R. Martin has done and like his other world and which like he didn't both... even have that much to do with the game. Exactly. Like, you he were did, really... but he, he really did not. Like the world is really cool. He built a really beautiful lore uh, world. But, like, how the lore is told and the way it's represented is really, especially learning more about Bloodborne and Dark Souls um, in the wake of it, like, really, it's credit to Miyazaki and his team. Like, they took some great ideas from George R.R. R. Martin and made something amazing out of it. Um, yeah. I don't think it's just his contributions, but he accomplished what they were hoping for, which is getting more people in the door um, and doing a good job. Um, but I totally... Oh, so... And we'll wrap this up. And we'll wrap up here. Um, my entire experience... That was both a combination of like desire to beat this game and see this beautiful fight, but also hating the game at the same time. Like I think Dragon Lord Placidicus is not the best fight in the game, but it's easily the most cinematic. The way cannot recommend it. Just look up this fight and look up like don't watch all of it. You don't have to. I, I think watching other people's gameplay like that is boring. But my opinion of the most hype fight is somebody different, but I'll share in a second. But he, you just see this, like, you walk into this massive arena. He's, he's just absolutely massive. He's just yeah. suspended perfectly motionless in, in the air. And then as you walk up to him, he comes down. And just this huge sense of scale. And then his attacks are all, like, again, look him up. They're really, really visually cool. Oh, and yeah. they kill you instantly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and it was it's such a cool experience. And it really felt rewarding to beat him. Because, again, you're, like, I'm getting one shot every time I get hit by anything. Um, at least any of his major moves. But it, they're very dodgeable. It felt very... Which is why I feel bad that he's what I struggled on the most. It was just because I... Other bosses that were harder, I just scaled enough where, like, I wasn't punished as badly for missing. Whereas, like, uh, Placidus actually, every single time, like, I messed up one of those dodges on the main moves, like, I am dead. Oh, yeah. And There's no wiggle room. <laughs> which would have been fine. But it is paired with something that Dark Souls loves. They, I don't think, do it much in Elden Ring, but this is just one of the egregious times where they have... And I think in the other games they were worse for this where they have really bad runbacks to the oh elder ring is the best of them compared to all the other from side most of them especially the hardest Jesus. end game bosses they dump you right outside their room they are very nice about it um this one dragon lord placidus X, commits what i think are the three cardinal sins of runbacks in this game which is it starts right off the back with an elevator which doesn't sound like anything but in this game death while enemies respawn the world state doesn't change and so if you brought the elevator down because you just took it, you know, for when he killed you last time, the elevator's not there to greet you. <laughs> you're going to walk off into the void and die. <laughs> you got to learn that this, if you get into that situation, you're like, you're, you, you know, you're probably going to be back. The second you get off the elevator, reactivate it so it goes back up and then go do the fight. I learned that too. Yeah, so it was always idea. ready for me. I should have been doing that. I, I was purely <laughs> thinking about, the problem was when I was starting to die, sorry, I'll finish the run. So elevator that you can miss and just die for pointlessly um you have to run past enemies who specifically in this case drop um ranged magic that goes through walls that spawns on where you're standing 
So if you're not running in a very particular line, like they hit you on your way back, that is really annoying. And the last, and why this boss room is really hard to find, and it's also really annoying to get to, is it is a drop-off path that you have to like, there is like a very, very small window off this one rock where there's no visual indicators of where you're supposed to friggin' jump off except for the other people dropping messages. And some of them are lying to you. And you drop off this one spot to land on another rock. And if you mess it up, you die. And this all was encapsulated an experience of like, I had my best attempt. I got him so close. And it's a long fight. He has a lot of health. I got him right to the end. Like, you can't even see his health anymore and I die. I'm like, oh my God. But I can do it. You know, you're hyped and you're ready to go. And so I instantly start running toward him, immediately die to the elevator. I'm like, oh, great. And then fire it up, go back, lose some health on the way there. And I'm like raging about losing health. And then I whip the path and die again. And so now I'm like fully tilted. And But I actually successfully do the run back and I make it back to the boss. I pop all my consumables. I walk in. I have my worst attempt ever. Instantly die. And I I immediately quit the game. And I was so unbelievably furious. But it was like that. I'm convinced that run back doubled the number of attempts it took me. Because I, would, I wouldn't even be dead. I would be getting to the end of the attempt. I'd be like, I don't want to do this run back again. <laughs> like, please, <laughs> please just win. Please win here so I don't run back. And I'm no longer in mentally in the moment of the boss. And so I, of course, lose. And I, of course, have a miserable time running back. And it's oh, just a horrible loop. God. It, but I kept doing it. I was convinced. But you just get to that point where you're like, and especially I'm at the point now. And what also made the boss harder is there's no longer, you can't go explore and find another weapon or spell or just levels that are going to make this boss easier. Like, I've kind of capped that out. Not fully, but, like, it would be way slower. And it's just, what, and you're in the, like, the last zone of the game. Yeah. Um, it just isn't going to be as good. So I, like, I couldn't, I didn't have deviating or going and taking a, di- a break from the boss. I just kept having to, like, do the more traditional Dark Souls, which is part of what's cemented in my mind. As much as I love Elden Ring, I'm not going to go back and play Bloodborne and Dark Souls, because that part of it, that part of the experience is miserable to me still. When I was trying to go through Bloodborne um, last October, because Jacob, was, we, he always does it every October, so I was trying to like keep up with him, and you know he's way better at those games in general, and Bloodborne's his favorite by far. But yeah, I I was struggling because I was like, man, I wish I could go do something else just to like, even if I'm not getting stronger, at least I am doing something else, yeah. and then I can come back to the bosses. But that game doesn't have that. so Or like I... um. The PS5 remake of Demon Souls is amazing, but man, it is difficult <laughs> because well, it's visually you... amazing because, like, gameplay-wise, it's identical, and that was when they were just sadistic. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's beautiful. It controls great. It's not terribly hard, like it is obviously, but it's like not as hard as I was expecting because I got like a one or two bosses in. Um, but not being able to do the Elden Ring thing where I can just go do something else is the only game that I've been okay with that in is Armored Core because again Armored Core is just such a different game but it's still a FromSoft game you lose an Armored Core you just come right back in you change your loadout a little bit and that gives you the same like mental stimulation of going and doing something else Uh, but yeah all the other previous ones do not have that unfortunately (laughs) the whole point is like it's just like it's something that feels like you're trying something you're bringing something new to this encounter this time besides like i'll just do it better not even actual progress that's for me that's what it is it tricks my brain enough whether it's real or not and all the other ones do not have that and it makes them very difficult for me personally well it's okay because when we go to the dlc we can go to the death white swamp which is coming it's coming you know it's coming we can just go somewhere else when it kills us enough and hopefully it won't be the, uh, the rot swamp Dude, it was literally, 
<laughs> I got to the Lake of Rot and I was like, I was doing that the base game. I was doing it very recently, like a couple days ago. And I was like, it can't get worse than this. <laughs> and then the fucking DLC news comes out. And I'm like, oh no, it does. <laughs> it gets oh, yeah. so much worse. Um, great. Greg, for context, the there's like three levels of poison in the game. There's regular poison, which is annoying. There's Scarlet Rot poison, which is brutal. <laughs> what we were just talking about. And then there's this new, it's always been in the game, but now it's going to be constant with what's called death blight and it's one of those where you just build it up and it just kills you <laughs> there's no damage over time you're just dead instantly <laughs> yeah it's and in an area you explore that's those cool. enemies that uh like little like frog things the basilisks backy they've been oh, at yeah. a bunch of other from soft games <laughs> they keep them around and bring them into every new game basically they and they do the same thing to death <laughs> yes <That's> so annoying ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's gonna be great I'm really looking I was going to say, I think the most hype fight in my opinion, maybe not the best best, but my I think my favorite fight encounter in Elden Ring, um, other than finally beating Margit for the first time, which was like extremely hype and great, because Margit's a great fight, and he's such a good like first major boss. Oh, yeah. um, but spoilers for anybody that cares, but Horaloo is an incredible fight. Oh, yeah. It is the most hype. He's literally just no weapons, just like throwing wrestling. Like, I, he's he's great. I love the Horaloo fight. He's so badass. He is the peak. I really, I mean, it's just the best guy. Him and, I mean, Melania is just a souped up version. I just like 1v1s with other, like, human characters who have a. I think Vitagon's really good too. But the really fact good. that his second phase is fucking trash makes me so mad. <laughs> I didn't struggle as much. It was crazy. Oh, I, fuck Elden I, Beast, man. I two-shot Melania, and then I think I three-shot Elden Beast. Um, I was super overleveled at that point. But I, I just had a really good build for it. It's also, again, why like the big super bosses I didn't struggle with as much, or I struggled like, with Fire Giant, more. I did like two tries, and Fire Giant broke Fire Jacob Giant. and Jordy when they did it, I know. <laughs> no, nah, Fire Giant was a baby compared to Elden Beast and Millennia, or fucking dual, the dual Valiant Gargoyles. Fuck Valiant them. Gargoyles. It was so satisfying coming back massively overleveled for them and just <laughs> shitting on them. It felt so good. All right, we are over time, though. I think that's a, that's a good stopping point. This it, beautiful game. I meant to do it at the very beginning. <laughs> it feels so bad for Greg. No, <laughs> Greg was here as an audience member. He, it, I can't recommend enough people go and try that game. I'm here because I like talking with my friends and I like listening to you guys talk about something you want to lose. Like, that's why. I was going to say, I always enjoy talking about games with you, but... Uh, it's more, I think this is the first one, besides the Armored Core one, which Jacob and I literally did, or James and I literally did by ourselves. Uh, it's the first one. I'll talk about that more, too. Uh, they just add new stuff. Um, did you try any of those things out that I texted you? Uh, no, I haven't played the... I, I've been good stuff. Focused on it's only a couple things, but it's good stuff. <laughs> the only reason I went back to Elden Ring, I was lamenting to, to Greg and Sam the other day when we were playing Heroes, because we've been on a losing streak in Heroes, and then the other... Since Elden Ring, I tried and immediately put down a bunch of other games because Elden Ring is just a really hard game to follow up with other games. And I was like, you know what? And the first one that started to catch my interest was Faster Than Light, and then I just lost. So it's almost broken me on video games. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's so brutally difficult. Did you play Into the Breach? Did you play their uh, spiritual successor? I had pl I played it before. Um, it's really good. It's a really good it, game. It is a well-made game. I don't like it as much just because I'm not a puzzle gamer, and I think it's closer to a puzzle game than strategy yeah, game. That's fair. I like, uh, but I do recognize like kaiju well. and big mechs, and it's that's mm -hmm. what it is. So it's it's really cool. That's I what like drew me to it. I love mechs. I, obviously, we talked about mechs. I love mechs too. Um, Same. Yeah. 
But yeah, I did faster than like we, we had an entire episode about mechs. Yeah, we did. Mechs. We can talk about it more. They're they're coming to Helldivers at some point, so I'm excited. I'm sure we haven't seen like a surge, a bigger surge of like announcements for those type of games after Armored Core. There was that one that got announced at the VGAs, I think. Which one? I don't know. I don't remember. We can we can talk about it later. Uh, we you know what? Yeah, let's let's talk about that next episode. I think this is the. We'll call this the end of a Jetpack Everybody Sports. play Helldivers 2. Actually, no, I'm sorry. Don't. So that way I can get into the servers. Uh, nobody <laughs> yeah, nobody play Helldivers 2. Everybody play at a really odd fucking hours. Of the day. Yeah, play it at like four in the morning when I'm asleep. <laughs> and play Elden Ring. Because yeah. Miyazaki needs more hey, money. Hey, <laughs> they so, honestly, no. Frostall has already bought it three times, guys. You need to buy it so James doesn't buy it a fourth <laughs> time. Okay? Like. I look. I don't care. I'm happy to support companies. I've bought Ace Combat twice. I don't care. Hey, oh, twice. That there's multi. You bought Armored Core twice. You bought no Armored Core. Armored Core twice. Ace Combat twice. Elden Ring three times. To be fair, okay, you already talked about Skyrim. Skyrim's been out for 15 years or whatever. I'm allowed to buy that multiple times at this point. It's <laughs> it's cross generational. I can't yeah. think of any game that I have multiple copies of. GTA Five. I, I bought a couple times because again, cross generational. It's also because when the things that often lead you to buy other copies happen to me, I just quit. <laughs> I have no perseverance. I just like to play with my friends. So if like Jacob buys them on a different uh, console, yeah. then you know, like I'll be like, yeah, I'll, it's on sale. I'll grab it. I don't always pay full price for these titles either. I usually buy them on sale. Eldering, I think I've no. bought all three full price because again, I don't. I'll, I bought I'll it give them all the money. I don't care. <laughs> hey, that I will say the um, I never go for these statues, but I did think the statue of Mesmer looks cool. I know I saw that it does look really cool, but it's also like two hundred and fifty dollars for that edition. And yeah, I'll um, never do. Th- I'm those, those are I always can't. a scam. I have a car payment now. I cannot do that. <laughs> All right, uh, I think that's a good place to stop. Yeah, thank you everybody for tuning in. Come, thank you. Join us next everybody. week for part two of the Elden Ring cast. <laughs> Seriously, have a good one. I'll have uh, new games to talk about next week. <laughs>